Welcome to Picture Book Path, a podcast for picture book writers and illustrators with questions about self-publishing. I'm Aijun. And I'm Phil. We're two experienced image makers on a new journey to publish independent picture books. There's no real map and we don't know everything. But we're asking questions and traveling this path to find answers. Come, Come explore, explore with, with us. us. Hey, Aijun. Hey, Phil. Congratulations, you finished your picture book for the picture book project at Rich- Yeah, for Richmond Young Writers. Yeah. yeah. So how, how did it go, Phil? I mean... Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, it's, it's a fast project, so it's kind of like you get the manuscript and then you just got to get it done within a couple months. But, you know, it's always fun to be involved and help a teenager yeah. get yeah. their first book published. And I just love Richmond Young Writers. They do amazing work with kids and teenagers. But, you know, it's, it's a sprint. Mm-hmm. Just got to get it done quick. But I've got it in, just, just eked it in there right at the deadline. Cool. Congratulations. So, um, thanks. So, yeah, that's what's taken up most of my time. So I haven't had much opportunity to work on my book. Yeah. But now that that's done, it is all steam ahead. Is it? Is it now? Or is there other things? No. It's, I mean, it, it's life in 2020. There will always be other things. Yeah. But, but I'll it, be able to work on this a lot more now. Nice. It can be like your main project or one of the main projects. One, yeah, one of. Yeah. yeah. How about you? What's, how's life and projects? Um, well, picture book projects, nothing happening. Um, yeah, you're taking September off of that, right? Because yeah. of holiday prep. Right. And honestly, maybe longer. I've been working oh. honestly a lot on more on trying to get my business um, restarted because there was a bit of a hiatus because of COVID. But um, in terms of my book, though, I have to admit that I ran into an issue with my writing of the story and I realized there's a part I actually want to change. Oh, wow. Yeah. What happened? If you don't mind talking about it, I think that's would um, be helpful for me. <laughs> um, there's just a part in the book and it doesn't have to affect the rest necessarily because I'm writing this book for children. I'm thinking about how influential um, words, storylines, ideas can be. And I felt like there was this one part that I didn't even realize it for a really long time, but I just felt like there was something a little bit, I didn't really like the message that was coming through mm. subtly through it. And I decided I need to, I think I want to change that. So it kind of throws a monkey wrench into, <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to do that thing where I have to re-illustrate. There's only one single drawing I may have to change, but I might not. It really depends on how I rewrite it. And so I've coming to a pause has been kind of helpful because I haven't resolved that part of the writing and I'm not really sure how (laughs) I'm going to, but um, that's why it's nice to have a break, you know? So I'm hoping that I can figure that out. Um, I think sometimes with writing it's, I feel like right. somehow it's oh, more yeah. mysterious than even like visual art. <laughs> it's like harder to like figure that out. But um, yeah, but that's, sure. that's all for now. <laughs> wow. Well, I say good for you for 
recognizing that part of your story and putting the energy into changing it rather than just being like, it'll be fine. Yeah. And moving yeah. forward. So that's great. Thank you. Um, well, today our guest is a very inspiring person who has written a book and it's, it's about surfing, but it actually relates surfing to the natural sciences. And his, uh, his name is Andres Kosarinsky Campos. He's written a book called Kaimiloa, Gratitude, Respect, and Curiosity for the Ocean. Yeah, it's a really well-constructed, beautiful book that just layers in the science of surfing and waves, why we have waves, how they're created, um, as well as conservation, how everything is connected. It's just a really well done book that uses surfing as an entry point for a lot of really cool, easy to understand science. It's illustrated beautifully by Ines de Fonseca. Yeah, it's, it's mostly black and white illustrations um, with brush and ink. And it's really energetic and um, it condenses all this information in a way that's really palatable to look at and to read. Children can get a lot out of it, but adults can too. Yeah, I was going to say, so can podcast hosts because <laughs> I learned a ton from this book. So um, Andres Kosarinsky Campos studied film and sound design at the University of Buenos Aires. He's the author of a book that forms part of the National Reading Program of Mexico, which triggers children's curiosity about nature and weather in an easy, original, and fun way. He is an independent learner driven by curiosity. He focuses on extracting the essence of complex topics from natural sciences and relate it to the real world of children and young people. So we're very excited to talk to Andres today. Yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. Hey. Yes. Hey. <laughs> How are you guys? How are you guys? How are you? Good, how are you? Very good. Nice <laughs> thank you for joining you. us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, thanks. Now it's a pleasure and I I always uh, told myself that I um, that I would love to to help others on their uh, journey to self publish because it was so hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> Andres, um how did you first become interested in nature and environmentalism? Well, I think it comes uh, mainly from my family. Uh, I'm Argentinian and I was raised in Buenos Aires. That is a big city, but next to a huge river that heads out to the sea. And it's near a delta that is full of little islands where I, I used to hang out a lot. And also uh, with my family, we, we always went on vacations to the sea mainly to small villages in the coasts of Uruguay and south of Brazil, that uh, it is like uh, one or two days car drive distance from our city. So we used to go camping and spend so much time out there in nature and the sea. And well, yes, all, all my family loves nature, so it came, it came to me. <laughs> Have you been surfing since you were a child then? 
Well, we used to do a lot of what we call uh, body surfing, like surfing with our own body <laughs> without any mm. board, <laughs> like just jumping into the waves. And then, yes, then with body boards that, that you lean on the, on the small board. But I, I always thought about surfing like something too distant, like very hard to, to, to buy a, a surfboard. But well, with time, it came more accessible. <laughs> and yes, I did some little trips of surf, but well, now living in the Basque country, I almost surf every day. When did you really start surfing regularly? Was it when you moved to the Basque country? Yes, yes. Uh, so since five years ago that I moved to the Basque country to a small city called San Sebastian. And I live literally in front of the beach. So okay. I, so surfing in a constant basis and, and living by the ocean, like it, I, I develop a really deep connection with the ocean. Like you need to understand how the tide works, uh, how the sea bottom affects the, the waves, uh, how the local beach uh, also respond to, to the swell that comes in what happens with the wind when it blows on shore, for example, and so and so on, yes. So now, yes, I, I really feel connected to something much bigger than, than myself, no? The, with the ocean and with nature. Because <laughs> yeah, I saw that you, it said you studied um, film and sound design. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then, and then now, but I see now you're doing ocean education workshops. So did that all happen when you moved to the Basque country and you, you fell in love with the ocean? Well, yes, my, my background is studying film and like sound and image design. Let's say I, I love like all types of communication, uh, written or by, <laughs> by images and sound. So I mix though this, uh, what I love about the, all types of communication and uh, nature. Well, a lot uh, has to do with my mother that is a meteorologist. <laughs> so, wow. so in Argentina, we, we did a book uh, for a children's book that brought uh, meteorology in a fun and easy way, let's say. So that was my experience, my first experience for a little publishing house. Is that the book that that form part of the national reading program in Mexico? Is that the yes. book? Yes. Yeah, that, that, yes, that's the one that it was our first book that I made together with my, with my mother. Like she provided all the information, all the hard information, and mm -hmm. she had the true knowledge, but my, my work was to, to make it friendly. And right. yes, th thanks to this uh, publishing house that uh, is really... Uh, specific to scientific uh, themes and they presented in a, in a lot of, of book fairs. They went to a Mexican book fair, the Guadalajara, I think, that is a big uh, children's book fair. Then they, are, they, they managed to, <laughs> to make it happen for Mexico to, to embrace it as part of their national reading program. That's yes. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yes, that, that really gave me a lot of confidence. Like, wow, a thing that you create in, <laughs> by, inside your house, in your garage, <laughs> or inside your home, it reaches a lot, a lot of 
of children. Uh, that gave me a lot of, of confidence. And a lot of experience. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. It took a lot, a lot of time also because it was my, my first experience. And as you know, my, my background was more into, into filming that than, than the written word. But it does make sense though that, as you're saying, it's just, it's another form of communication. Yes. So, yes. so um, your book, Kaimiloa, is that your second book then that you've written or? Yes, yes, it's, a, it's the second book. You have a co-founder who, you and, um, uh, I hope I'm saying her name right, Maria Colliker Frères? Perfect, yes. <laughs> she, <laughs> um, she's my girlfriend too. Okay, I, okay. <laughs> I thought maybe, but I didn't want to assume. Yeah, yeah. So you both conducted ocean education workshops in the Basque Country um, for a year before you created this book. Can you tell us about those workshops and what it was like working with children? So five years ago, uh, we came together uh, with Maria to live in the Basque Country. And we, let's say, we could finally fulfill our dream of living in a place that we can surf almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yes, then I, then I started to ask myself uh, questions and study a lot. Like, for example, this type of question, like, how does nature work to allow us to surf and, and how, uh, how it keeps the environment in balance? From there, I started studying a lot, a lot of, of stuff that I encounter myself every day. Uh, like where, how, how does the swell uh, form in a storm center thousands of kilometers away? Um, these different seabeds that affect the waves, the, the diversity of life along the coast, um, and also how, how can there be a positive community impact on the environment? Like living by the sea, uh, how, how can... <laughs> As a community, how, how can we make a, a good impact? Uh, so guided by this uh, curiosity, uh, and, and I began to research and consult specialists from different natural and environmental sciences, such as oceanography, meteorology, and marine biology. I started with, with my mother, that is a <laughs> meteorologist, and then she introduced me to different uh, specialists. Ah. Well, so, so then the, this, this feeling of immense gratitude of surfing every day and feeling so connected with nature, with the ocean, it was so, so great that I felt the need to, to share it. And first, the, the first idea was to, to make a book, like to share it with a book and with my past experience. It seemed like the best way to do it, to share it in that way, in a form of a children's book, let's say. So I really believed in, in that vision that came more organically. But then, uh, since I didn't know, I didn't have any clue how to make it, make it a reality, how, how to have the physical book in my hands. Right. Like the first step uh, was to run these ocean education workshops at a local surf school. So I said, okay, let, let's, let's go with this uh, proposal. No? And they accepted, they really embraced it in this in a local surf school and it went on very natural. So while creating the, the content and the text for the book, I was doing these workshops. It was a bit at the same time. So I had the real time feedback from the children. Yeah. Like, right, so you're able to develop the material 
in real yes. time while you were working on the book. It, it was like that, like uh, secretly, uh, some friends knew that I was creating a book, but I didn't want to say too much. Sure. <laughs> not, not because I wanted to keep it for myself, because uh, I wanted to to communicate when I know when I knew that it was uh, happening. So I listened a lot to the questions that and the curiosities that the children had, that they are really honest, let's say they are pure, they just made the question that come that popped <laughs> in their heads. Uh, yes, so so I was creating the text and the while uh, doing the the workshops. Yeah, uh, it, and yeah. the book goes into a lot of different topics, right? Like the history of surfing and the science of waves and ocean ecosystems, um, how to live more sustainably with the ocean. And um, you make all of these things very approachable and fascinating and easy to understand. And so was it the questions that the kids asked in those workshops that helped you decide what to include in the book? Yes, that, that helped me a lot because I came back to earth, let's say. <laughs> I could take, <laughs> took it, take it to the, to the ground, let's say. Uh, so I worked a lot with the questions that, that children had. Um, and, and I believe that looking for the answers and creating new questions uh, is the best way for children to, to strengthen the, their bond with the, with the ocean, like connecting them with, with natural and, and environmental sciences that can strengthen their, their relation. Um, and also a thing that guided me a lot through the workshops and through the creation of the book was a, a, a quote from Rudolf Steiner that said, when children can relate uh, what they learn to their own experiences, their interest in life awakens and their memory is activated and what they learn is made their own. So that really guided me and pushed me <laughs> through to, yeah. to develop the, the workshops. It was, the workshops were like a sort of a platform, let's say, to make uh, accessible all this scientific knowledge that you can find it, but it's all dispersed and sometimes very technical, with very technical la uh, language. Um, so, so making this accessible uh, while having while having fun. You, yeah. you definitely achieved that because it was it was understandable, um, but you did include a lot of. I was surprised by how much science goes into like making a wave and um, just well, not science makes the wave, but you know to <laughs> analyze you know, how a wave breaks, um, you know, the, the height, the distance of waves. There's so many things about waves, just waves that I had, I didn't know at all. Um, and I understood it from reading your book. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. But me all on it now, but <laughs> I understood it as I was reading it. And I think if, if, um, kids are surfing or people are surfing, it makes even more sense. Like you said, it connects children with what they're going through. So if they're surfing yeah. and they have questions about why does this happen, you know, your book um, would really come in handy and just, it's just fascinating. Thanks, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And yeah. yes, that was the biggest challenge. And I knew that my, 
my book, uh, uh, I was conscious, let's say, about this risk, like how to make it accessible and attractive. So from, from this long conversation I had with my mother about surf forecasts, ocean tides, waves, uh, she recommended me a lot of books uh, to read and also put in contact with these uh, scientists that I could ask uh, them specific questions. But then um, regarding how I decided the topics, uh, although the, the book has lots of information, I also left a lot of things outside. Like I have, sure. I don't know, lots and lots of pages. Like I knew it was going to be a big, uh, a big book, but then it started growing and growing. And <laughs> it, it, it was part of the journey, not part of the exploration. But at the same time, uh, I put a stop to it, let's say, and I, because I didn't want it to lose uh, power and an impact, no? to to make it attractive. No. It, it yes. hasn't like I, I imagine myself uh, people or children reading it and I, I don't want it to lose like the, the momentum let's say so Very so I, I also put myself in mind that the, the main goal was to spark curiosity gratitude and respect for the ocean like the like the byline of the of the book said, like it, the objective it wasn't for children to become scientists. So so yeah. right. So, so I always uh, keeping this uh, holistic vision also helped me to decide what remain inside and and what not. Also, I I made uh, I continually like week by week I, I made like an exercise, and I say okay if if there's anything that the the book has that I can take it away and it doesn't affect the essence of the book it, it's it's something positive I can take it outside like this right. the, the more simple the the better <laughs> that that was like a, an exercise I continually did and I think it worked <laughs> yeah that totally makes sense like it <laughs> you ask yourself what kind of book you're writing and what you mm. want to say in that book. Mm. And then you're trying to take away everything that doesn't contribute specifically to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also, yes, it was all inside, you know, all, all inside this uh, process, like all this, the, the creative process and the, the journey of learning, of asking questions, of reading papers of scientists. And, and yes, also I learned uh, this crazy thing about nature that everything is related. So, <laughs> and there are exceptions for almost everything. So you are tempted to go on forever and ever. Right. <laughs> but yes, then you you have to scan it like like I was saying. Like you make a scan, you take things out, and if if it still works, if it still works, so okay, let's better. Let's reduce it a bit, yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of reminds me of, um, in the book, you talk about dynamic equilibrium. Ah, uh, yes. How, yeah, how, like, the coastlines can't stay the same because there's constantly the waves and the ocean um, and the land are interacting, but it it's dynamic. It's not the same, but it's still in equilibrium. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, from the erosion and the position of the... Of the sun, yes, it's uh, continually evolving. Let's say. Yeah, 
So what were some of the unique opportunities and maybe some of the challenges that you had creating this educational book about surfing in the ocean? So th this, this opportunity that I saw was that the surfing takes place in a, in a natural playground, the ocean. So I felt it natural to connect uh, the surfing experience with the natural and environmental sciences. The, the challenge was that I, as far as I knew, it has never been done. So, so I wasn't sure that there would be a public interested in it. Like why, why it has never been done. Uh, but well, it, it, felt, it felt good to do the, the job, let's say. Maybe no one took the, the job to study, to gather all the scientists. To, so I went, I went through that window, let's say. <laughs> And another clear challenge that, that I imposed myself was to create a family book. Let's say that a book that, that would be engaging for all ages. I think we, we achieved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. It was, yeah, it was super interesting for, I think, for anyone. And I learned so much from, from that book. <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, and I'm curious, how long did it, because you say you, you researched a lot for this book, mm. How long did it take you to write the book then? Uh, yes, I think almost uh, three years. Uh, yeah. Of course, yeah. I, I worked in a lot of other stuff. and yeah. There were moments that I, that I stopped and came back again. But yes, let's say in a period of, of three years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. More or less, maybe more. <laughs> now that I'm thinking from that. no, let's see. I mean, there's a lot of information in that book. I think three years yeah. isn't even that really that long <laughs> to write like a nonfiction book. But yeah, especially yeah. since it's not your main occupation, right? Yeah. And you're doing other things, and so you're trying to fit this around the rest of life, as it yeah. usually goes with independently self-published picture books. So it can take some time. But yes, uh, like I was trying at the, at the same time of learning, learning deeply all these topics, I was also writing the book. So it, uh, it, like once I read a quote that, that said that learning something deeply really comes from the necessity of sharing it with others. So I mm. felt exactly that, that way. Like I thought that I was learning really valuable stuff and I wanted to share it. So yeah. while I was studying it and writing, I, uh, I said to myself, okay, if I can understand it, so will others. So right. that, that was a bit of the, of the journey that took me so long to, to finish, let's say, the, yeah. the book. Yes. Right. <laughs> and the, the book is just beautifully done. Um, it's well-designed. It's illustrated throughout. Um, and your illustrator her illustration style is so energetic and is totally appropriate for the subject matter with the waves and all of that. Yeah. Can you tell us what it was like working with her? Yes, yes, it was beyond amazing. Like Ines is an amazing illustrator, but also she's a very sensitive and passionate art director. Like she took it to the next level. <laughs> 
I always tell her that, that she took it to the next level and made it uh, our masterpiece, let's say. Like, yeah, it's gorgeous. Like, thanks to her, I believe that it has the level to be called uh, art. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, I, I learned so, so much because, and it was my first experience working hand by hand with an illustrator. So... Uh, yes, a moment ago, I was telling you about the, the challenges uh, of, of the book, and one was uh, to make it engaging for all ages. So I think the, the illustrations and the art uh, are mostly responsible for achieving it. Like, uh, she was able to make each, uh, each spread, each double page, leads the eye around in a way that the youngest uh, children are able to appreciate and enjoy the book, uh, focusing on, on these captivating illustrations and titles, uh, while children that are a bit older or grown-ups can get uh, deeper into more informative text uh, to boost their curiosity. So yes, I, I think she, she was able to, to create this, and she was the, not only the illustrator, but the art director. And we also, I think we also met like at the right time and place. Like I went to London for some months and she was at the same time, she was quitting working in advertising agencies, like getting fully dedicated into illustrations for, for children. So we were introduced by some friends in common. Then we, we started working together like we, it was the perfect time and place for us to, to work together. Wow, that's uh, great. Yes, it's through this, uh, through the process of making the book, uh, she also taught me uh, to always keep in mind to work uh, for the complementarity and not the, redund the redundant use of text and images mm -hmm. to, mm. boost, to boost the main narrative and the imagination. Like some, that was, I totally learned it from, from her. <laughs> like I want, okay, let's make an illustration for this paragraph. And no, okay, <laughs> we don't have to make it redundant. Like, <laughs> yes, so in, in that way, we made sure that if you open the book in any page, that is something that children do. <laughs> yeah. It should be self-sustaining and enjoyable, yeah. no, no matter where you open the book. So. Uh, plus, uh, the, every single drawing uh, was handmade. Uh, I saw, and it was amazing to saw live and direct how she sketched uh, with pencils and finalized with brushes and India ink. Uh, wow. So yes, that that was a bit of the of the process. Yeah, it's beautiful. But it was so seamless. Like it, all the text and the illustrations mm. went together so well, and like you said, they weren't redundant but the illustrations gave you the feeling of what the text was talking about. Yeah. Um, but also, the, there were some diagrams in there, very simple diagrams uh, to explain some of the, the concepts. Did you um, have to draw some of those diagrams? Like, did, I mean, it sounds like she did a lot of the art directing, but did you have some ideas for how the book looked? Uh, yes, but mainly I got involved in this uh, some specific stuff like when you um, like for example the page that you told me about uh, the sea bottom that you see how the the depth decreases and that's why the the wave breaks. But mm -hmm. well, she she made it uh, 
like she converted it into a simple and strong uh, uh, she was able to make it attractive let's say oh, yeah. and yes I, I got more 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 involved in some of the pages that had something particular to 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 tell let's say but yes then mostly throughout all the book she was able to to transmit this this vibe this this feeling <laughs> yeah wow that's amazing mm -hmm. you decided to print your book locally in the basque yeah. uh, country can you tell yeah. us what it was like um working with printers in person yes this was one of the best experiences also um so we, we printed here in the Basque country in a small printer called Michelena. And the result was really better than I could ever have imagined. Well, uh, first, uh, Maria and I emailed a lot of printers. We visited and had meetings with many, many printing houses. But uh, during a while, the, the only answers we got were quotes like here, this amount of dollars. OK, so, and also technical description that we couldn't understand. So every meeting I say, what is what is wrong with us that every meeting leads to nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> and I say, I say, OK, maybe it's the the only way for a for a self-published book to i don't know to close the eyes pay to a printer and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> yes because i realize no someone uh, wants to print uh, twenty thousand books uh, they are going to give more attention than me that i was between 500 and 1000 no? <laughs> yeah. but uh, a friend, the, a friend in common, introduced me to Nagore, this the, the owner of Michelena Printing House, and then yes, everything unfolded perfectly. Like uh, from the first moment, she offered us plenty of options, and and the the meeting were more relaxed, more calm. Uh, she took us a lot of paper samples to touch and feel. Mm. So so. From that moment, I felt yes, this is this is it. <laughs> right, because it was a totally different approach. Like she had the calm and the the patience to to understand that we were not expert, and they really they mm -hmm. they became part of the of the creative process because they gave gave us advice on on the different materials, the techniques that were available, and and also they they helped us made some tweaks on the. On the ready-to-print files. Uh, ah. Yes. For for example, there, there is a there is a spread one of the of, in the beginnings that is called One Ocean, that is the only one with this dark blue. And there there is some words that fades into the the depths of the ocean. <laughs> so they tell me, be really careful here because the last the last words are too too dark and they will not be able to read. So they are in the last moment doing the, the last tweaks and thanks to them, it, it, it yes, because you, you see it one way on the screen, but but they really knew about the printing process. So, right. so they, they even get into these details. And finally, the, the experience of watching your book being print is uh, beyond amazing. I don't know how to. <laughs> 
some compare some compare it to having a baby i think <laughs> I don't have a baby but this was also amazing <laughs> yeah were you always going to print locally because it's you know more i would assume it's more environmentally friendly or were you yeah. looking at other places too or no really i i always had the idea to to be able to to go there to meet the people and and yes i think it was a good decision uh, also because we were we were talking a lot about environmentalism in this book and and we thought that there was a there must be a way to to do it so it was a win win from the from the environmental point of view and also because we didn't have the the experience and we couldn't send it to print and close our eyes and then see what comes back. Let's see. Yeah. Well, based, based on that experience now, since you've now gained knowledge working with this local printer, um, what are some things that you're going to look for moving forward or questions that someone should ask a printer if they're starting to work with them, do you think? To have the, the paper samples and references from other books, I, I think are really, really important. Like when you have it in your hand and you you can feel it and and see the weight of the of each uh, of each page uh, of each page. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that gives you this first-hand education about how it will almost how it will look like. So yeah, that makes sense. Yes, uh, unless you or, or you can be assessed by someone that already worked with a printer on the other side of the world and uh, and have the the experience and you know that they are going to use that exact exact type of paper. Uh, I think this is the the best way to go. So, well, when yeah. I when I first started going to printers, I didn't really know the language. They have certain terminology that they yeah. use and i didn't really understand and they i i also had the same experience where the printers i liked were the ones that talked to me and helped me yes and yes yeah some some printers are more for geared for really big big projects and then some people will help you and those are, it's really nice when they do <laughs> yeah yeah when you really get the, the the same that what i was telling that in this first meeting that she took the time, it was relaxed, calm. I could tell her all my doubts and my fears. <laughs> and she was there. Like I felt her like part of the team, like, like yeah. the same vibe that we share with the illustrator, with, with Maria that also helped me a lot. And also for something that is self-published that you put so much love into it. And I think it, it, has, it has to follow this this pattern of of behavior that that you're trying to establish through the process <laughs> the, the energy you feel when you're with the right working with the right people so yeah. you have to trust that you know you can feel when something just doesn't feel good and you don't like working with someone it it makes the experience much worse so you want to feel good when you're working with someone Yes, totally, totally. Because yeah, yeah, you pass from the because if not, it's like you are competing with the other. <laughs> I don't want to compete or to I, I, like. Let's cooperate and let's do something together. Yeah. I was looking at your blog, and by the way, you have a really great website that shows off your book. You can buy your book on the website. 
yeah. you have um, a, a biography of who was involved in the book. You have a blog and other other links and things. And on your blog, um, you were talking about you had two book different book launches, but they they yeah. looked so fun and lively. Um, can you tell us about what makes a successful book launch? So my, my main suggestion is to launch it in a collaboration or in a venue that can bring in uh, people interested in your book, like uh, creating an event that is bigger than, than your book, let's say. That's what I, mm -hmm. what I did. Like, for example, here in San Sebastian, I did it at the surf club where I had been facilitating these ocean education workshops. So it was uh, easier for families uh, to come. Also, my brother came and hosted a Capoeira Angola workshop <laughs> for all ages. That was really fun. And some friends did some live music. Uh, so this, I think this is more engaging and helps uh, the word of mouth to run from one place to another. Yeah, yeah and so you had... Um other attractions to kind yes. of bolster the event. It's not just here's me and my book, uh, buy yes. it. It's there's also music and a capoeira demonstration. <laughs> yes, yes, no, yes, not to distract, but I felt like what happens is like nowadays people have so much stuff to do, so much communication, and here people are also in a good way distracted by the nature, like you are in the sea, you are in the mountain. Yeah, like so how can I do for people to stop being there and come to my event? So and then uh, at London, I don't know if I said it, but all, all the work yes, all the work with Ines was done in London. She lived there at the moment. So so I, I also did a, a launch in of the book in London. And in this case we teamed up with an organization that runs surf therapy sessions. Uh, along the coasts of UK, uh, all yeah. around UK. So this organization offers free therapeutic surf courses for vulnerable, vulnerable young people that are at risk of social isolation. So they help them through surfing to improve their confidence, their well-being. So we named this event uh, Surf and Youths, uh, where surf therapy meets ocean education. So I think in this way, we made it more broad, more for more, more kind of people, let's say. Mm -hmm. So it, it was an opportunity for them to tell about their organization in London, uh, because you can join as a volunteer uh, or collaborate in different type of way. Uh, and also nice. for me to introduce my project to the people that they brought. Uh, and there was also a DJ, so it, it also became into a party later. <laughs> nice. So I think the, the venue and the venue was a plant-based uh, bar, so it was uh, really, really cool. And uh, it looks like you hung the original artwork in the space so that people could look at yes. that and kind of be around. Yes, great. yes I, I think, yes, like as we are doing now, like sharing our experiences and everything, uh, that was a, a nice thing to do. Like the, the artist, the illustrator was there answering questions and we did like a one hour networking and just be chatting around with everyone before 
starting. Yes, the, these events are a bit of a stress because then you are, it's like when you do your birthday in your house, you are <laughs> cooking, you are <laughs> you're hosting, organizing at the same time and you have little time to talk with everyone. But oh, this, yeah. this kind of events, I think it, people love gathering and coming together, so. Yeah. And what, what has the response been to your book? Well, it, it continues to give me surprises. Like I have great feedback. This is really emotional for me, like having deep and meaningful uh, feedback from other people. And it continues also opening me doors for new things uh, to come, like mm -hmm. talking with other publishers for maybe doing a collaboration or yeah. uh, nowadays I work at an e-learning a company then I, I'm sure that when they saw uh, my book they, they, they knew that this uh, also education is also my, uh, a passion so when also when people see that you execute and you finally have it in, in reality a project it, it also opens a lot of new doors that that you never expected so, yes, yeah, so I, I'm always reminded and, and I feel reassured uh, that, that the book has value. What, what I've been thinking about late, lately is that uh, I, I think that my book, it's in a stage that it reaches people with a lot of depth, but I really wish and I'm, I'm challenged to, for it to have more width. With this meaning uh, that I have to find ways for it to reach more people. Uh, mm -hmm. So it has the depth of, of this value that people find, but I, I have to work for, make it wider, right. let's say. Uh, but I think that is also the challenge of, of anyone who self-publishes, no? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, w one way that you were doing that though, is that you attended the Frankfurt Book Festival or Frankfurt Book Fair last year, correct? Is so it was a, a great experience and it's a huge, huge book fair. I think from what I read, it's the biggest book fair in the world. Like it's the event where most print and digital content business is done. So publishing experts uh, come together uh, with people from the different creative fields to do deals, uh, to network and have meaningful discussions and a lot of socializing. But yes, it, it was really funny uh, because the the people that I, all the people that I met uh, at the beginning, they didn't understand why I was there. Like, I mean, a lot of people go there to do strictly business, mm -hmm. but I, I'm not an agent. I'm not, I don't own a publishing house. So people tell, what are you doing here? Like they told me, but I, when I told them the, the pure truth that I'm just a children's book author uh, who had recently published the Camilleva book and I'm curious about literally everything going down there, they really opened themselves up and I could, uh, I could really have meaningful conversations and also, there's a lot of conferences and panel discussions with, with authors, with publishers, mm -hmm. uh, with new trends like audiobooks and how it's expanding. And so, yes, the, the biggest uh, takeout that I can say is this priceless opportunity of 
of doing one-to-one one -one connection, like engaging in conversations face-to-face -face with, with people from all over the world is, is really meaningful. I mean, and you can also have the opportunity to get inside book stands and be physically submerged in a specific <laughs> publishing house from from India, from Indonesia, from Poland, uh, uh, from uh, from Senegal. It's like I don't know. It's like you're in a in a bubble that contains all the world. <laughs> wow! Yes, yeah, now yes, now it's it's. Uh, I know it's a bit contradictory with these uh, COVID times that I hope it sorts out, but yes, but I've, I, I think these face-to-face uh, -face connections are priceless, are really, really intense and deep. If you're an author or a cultural enthusiast uh, like me, <laughs> um, I, made, uh, I made some professional con uh, contacts, some friends, and it's a great uh, experience. So, so you, you have all of this experience behind you now, what is something that you learned that you didn't know at the beginning of this project or the advice that you would give to someone that's just starting out? One, one advice that uh, now I always keep in mind when, when someone asks me about it is like, uh, like don't think that other people are responsible for you to make it happen. <laughs> like yeah. what happens, like what happens if people that you expect to believe in your project or to get involved simply can't because we are all we all have different journeys no in in our life like it does uh, uh, will you stop believing in yourself like in your vision don't ne never think that the responsibility of making it happen it's it's outside of you no? mm -hmm. uh, like for me writing this book it, it took quite a while it took years but I learned to believe in my own vision. I went yeah. through every emotion while doing it. Uh, and I, had ne I never had anything figured out from the beginning. So, so uh, yes, you can't believe the amount of times that I was almost ready to drop it all. Like, <laughs> but, but well, I, I'm proud that I never quit, no? And I learned all step by step by, by step. Like, I think in a way it is supposed to be overwhelming mm -hmm. no? because you are, you are going towards something great, uh, towards your vision, uh, not something comfortable and easy. It's better that you start and you don't know all the, the, all the stones in the, in the <laughs> road that you're, gonna, that you're going to take because if you really know all the stones that, that there is in the, in the road, probably you will quit. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like so, that outlook. So uh, step by step by step by step, you you reach uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you describe a favorite moment or experience that made self-publishing all worthwhile to you? Every time I get feedback, like it reminds uh, myself that uh, my idea didn't fit any editorial line. Uh, so I think self-publishing was the only way to go for this kind of book. <laughs> like, if not, it wouldn't uh, exist. So, so every time I get some meaningful feedback, I, I'm, 
I'm really happy about this, this thing that is happening to the other person that is sharing me their feelings. It wouldn't be possible without self-publishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or maybe it could take, I don't know, instead of three, four, instead of five years, it can take 15 years until you find a, a publishing house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, also nowadays you can also printing small runs and but well this is a thought that i i always remind myself of things that i i self-published because it made it happen and then yes working with the illustrator when when the text came together with the illustrations and being there uh, like going through this creative process with ines uh, and creating something bigger than what I first thought. That was also one of my, my favorite uh, moments. And yes, and also all the amazing people from different parts of the world that, that I engage with, thanks to the book, uh, scientists, surfers, artists, uh, printers, uh, activists, and nature lover. That was also great moments, like engaging with with people. Yes, you know there's these uh, Facebook groups. Uh-huh. These yeah. there are Facebook groups and communities for almost anything that you can imagine. No? Yeah. So so if you have a self-published book about a certain topic, I really recommend people to search for Facebook groups and people that are already interested in your topic you can speak to them directly and show them your your oh. book and encourage them to, yeah. to take a look. Yeah, that totally that, makes sense. Uh, for me, it worked a lot, like small surfing communities that that have a more friendly and family vibe for a lot of types of, of books that, uh, that mostly for these uh, non-fiction ones, you, you can find a, a community that is already interested in in related topics to so is that how you've mostly spread the word about your book then through these uh, facebook groups then well then in in directly on surf shops that that and specifically the ones that are run by their their owners who are really passionate mm-hmm. about surfing and its true essence of of these friendly and family vibes and also in a for example in a specialty coffee shop yeah, there are people have time, no? You go to, to have a coffee, you you read some pages and <laughs> like I think in this in the self-publishing world you we, we must get a creative word to show our <laughs> our book. <laughs> and where can um our audience find you? Well through yes, the webpage of the of the project, Kaimiloaproject.com. And we also have an, an Instagram at Camilo Project. And and what's what's next for you? My grandfather wrote a book in 1945 about sailing adventures along the coast of Buenos Aires. So I want to re to do the republishing. Whoa! Yes. Yes. So fun. There are small small short stories. Oh, you know, when sailing was really an adventure and they didn't have any type of digital gadget. <laughs> so every time they got from one place to another, it, it's really fun. And well, I, I, ha- I think it, it still has a, a value for, for today. Fabulous.
Wow. <laughs> well, That's thank you really cool. so much for joining us today, Andres. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Well, really, really nice to meet you. What do you think, Ai-Jung? Oh, gosh. Um, I really love the advice that he gave, you know, that, that it's supposed to be overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I like that. I think it's, um, it's, it makes sense. It's good advice that it's not necessarily supposed to be easy. If you're doing something that you love and that's a little bit difficult or a lot difficult. Right. Um, and also... I really liked his attitude and the way he conducted like every aspect of creating the book. He was really yeah. involved with different people, different organizations, and he just had a really open heart, open spirit. And it comes through in the book. The book feels yeah. very full of love, you know, for what it, the subjects it's talking about and for the people it's reaching. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah. One of the things that I'm, thinking about is just the way that at every step there was some sort of story he told about collaboration mm -hmm. either with the illustrator and art director or the printer or even with the book launch it was a group that he had already been doing workshops with mm -hmm. and he brought people in to do music or the launch in London where he found a project that helps underserved youth right it, with everything that he did with the book he was looking for another person or another group to collaborate with and work with on an equal level and i think that that is awesome and it's such a great way to approach this whole self-publishing idea because we don't have to do this alone and we're not doing this alone we need people to do this and finding people that we can kind of mesh with whether it's our message or our mission or whatever is going to be make it more fruitful for everybody right yeah it's like if you're generous and they're generous it, the generosity multiplies and when you're feeling really good and you're connecting with the right people it amplifies it too so i think mm -hmm. that's really important and it's i think it's a, a way to draw fulfillment from the work even while you're creating the work or while you're promoting the work or while you're right. doing the work of getting the book out there it's not just oh i'm selling this book and i'm sold this many copies right yeah. um there are a lot of different ways to find fulfillment and if you can do that in many different aspects it's just going to, in the parlance of uh, preschools everywhere, it's going to fill up your bucket even more. <laughs> well, and like you were saying, it's hard, right? So yeah. if you can find fulfillment and fun um, along the way with all of these steps, it will keep you going. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, this is such drudgery. I'm working on my book. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why are we doing this? You got to remember that, you know? Right. So, as usual, send us an email, picturebookpath at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at picturebookpath, on Instagram at picturebookpath. Yes. Oh, and also leave us reviews. If you like uh, our podcast, leave us some nice reviews and maybe we'll reach more people. Yeah, reviews, whether they're good or not, actually. Okay, yeah. New people find us. Yes. So Just if you could do that, that would be hugely helpful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Picture Book Path is hosted by Ai Jung Kim and Philip Hilliker. 
We can be reached at picturebookpath at gmail.com. Our music is by scottholmesmusic.com. 